Welcome back to season two of Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez-Miranda, yours truly, the author of my what-if year, ex-CEO, sometimes intern, coffee-obsessed mom. Extra Shot is part podcast, part talk show, part games, advice, and whatever else my delightful guests and I can cook up for you. My aim is to bring some hilarity, inspiration, and ultimately a jolt of energy to your day. Because we all need an extra shot of something. What's in your cup? I have met a lot of funny people in my life, but few have truly made me laugh out loud as much as the brilliant Kieran Deal, whose interview is coming up on Extra Shot today. I am so glad you tuned in because I laughed through this entire thing. I think you are going to also, except the serious parts, of course, and there are a few of those. So let me tell you a little bit about Kieran. She is a stand-up comedian actor who starred in the NBC Hulu comedy Sunnyside from Mike Shore and Cal Penn, in addition to shows like How to Get Away with Murder and Modern Family. She was on those too. She stars opposite Alex Winter and Jonah Ray in Destroy All Neighbors, which is coming to Shudder on January 12th, and the lead in Mira Minan's latest work in progress feature, Didn't Die. As a writer-director, Kieran has made films for HBO and Sundance, premiered at TIFF, been nominated for an Emmy, and shortlisted for an Academy Award. On the touring side, Kieran has headlined at the New York Comedy Festival, San Francisco Sketchfest, and the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is where I met her first. The Guardian called that engrossing, full of charisma and technical prowess. It got a four-star review from the Comics comic, millions of views on Instagram, and honestly, I cannot remember when I last enjoyed an hour of stand-up more. So now you get to enjoy it as well. Please give it up for the hilarious Kieran Deal. So I am so excited to have a bona fide TV star and celebrity on this podcast. Okay, okay. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I think you want to blur your background just based on what we spoke about. I think we should leave it. Should we leave it? It's madness because, I mean, if if it's not Christmas, what are the little men behind you? <laughs> I think it could really throw people off like... This is, you know, like, are they reindeer? Are they dancing? Oh, no, but that one quite looks like Santa. Anybody who's just listening to this is going to be extremely confused right now, but I suggest going to YouTube to see what the hell we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's like a Sia Christmas album. Okay, I don't know if we're going to start again or if we are. Let's keep going and then see what happens. Sometimes we do this and most of the time the editors don't, cut me out. They just let they just let me ramble like this. Listeners, do you find it charming when I ramble on like this at the beginning or not? <laughs> they can't tell me. It's a one-way podcast system. But anyway, Kieran, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Alicia. I'm so excited to be here. To be fair to you, you weren't rambling. I did interrupt you. You were you were starting an introduction and then I was like, are we doing the reindeer in your background? Because it I mean, was a pre-convo. Like a beat like behind the scenes content for people that they they see the magic of podcast life which is that I'm recording this in December even though I'm going to be pretending that it's January or maybe someone's listening to this in like the year 2032 and I don't know it could it could be it could be content is forever right that's scary and that word content you know and content is forever does sound like another sia song 
It, it does sound like a CSI. So we this is relevant because before we started recording, we were talking about my deep dive into the Sia Christmas album, which I was saying, and we'll stand by this in January, I think you could listen to any time of year. It's that weird and good. Yeah, which is a, which is a mood. I'm going to listen to it. This is actually a this has become a Sia promo podcast. Sponsored by Sia. <laughs> Sponsored by Christmas and Sia. Yes, exactly. So if you haven't figured it out, Kieran is a stand-up comedian as well as an actor and performer. <laughs> Cuz this girl is funny. I went to see her at Fringe. We were we have a mutual friend uh, who recommended to go see this show and I'm not going to lie, I'm really picky about my Stand up in that I don't like most of it. I don't, it's not even that I don't like most of it. I just don't like consume a lot of stand up. But I was like, this chick seems funny. And boy, was I right. I had like the best hour of my fringe at your show. That includes when I was performing at Fringe. And I just, you're freaking hilarious. So I'm so glad you agreed to be on today. Oh my God, that's such a nice review uh, that might make the poster Good. the best hour at Fringe, including the hour I was performing at Fringe. <laughs> Very true. Because Alicia lives in Edinburgh for anyone who who is just tuning in to Alicia, who's also a wonderful writer, author. And it's Christmas here, but it's actually Thanksgiving in California. Is that how time zones work? Now. That's time zones. Yeah. Actually, here it is the day of our Lord Juice Man. <laughs> it's Cucumber Juice Day in California, also known as Every Day. Every Day. Okay. So take me back. How did you get so funny and know that you wanted to be a comedian? You know, I, I, I first of all, I'm, I got to say, I love the review that you're like, I am not a fan of stand up comedy and I don't watch. Any of it. <laughs> Such it's a good... <laughs> if, it's, if it's fair, I also don't listen to almost any podcasts and host ones. So, <laughs> but that's no. I think that's. A re- I think it's. It's all reasonable. There's only so much time one has in a day. Yeah, I started it. it this is. I started. I started stand up after making a documentary about women rebel soldiers in Nepal, which is the typical path. That's obvious, right. That's how mistress. everyone. You make your documentary in the jungles and then you say, hard pivot, let's do comedy now. I did a a diversity showcase with like a sketch comedy showcase because I was kind of, you know, it was an independent project, like right out of college, felt like super burnt out. And I was like, comedy, this will be fun. Um, (laughs) I used that voice. I was Mickey Mouse back then. (laughs) And then... I, yeah. And then basically that was a really great group of people. It was in Los Angeles, a lot of comics. And then I thought, oh, I'll just try it. And if you're having fun, keep going. And if not, quit because it's hard. And here we are today. We're we're here a fringe later, you know, having weathered the comedy storm. Oh my God. Are we poets? What wow. is happening? Wow. We, you know, we could do this whole podcast in rhyme if you Really, I would love that. We were talking about how you know rhyme is for not just uh, nursery people, people, (laughs) children, (laughs) the 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 humans of the nursery, but also it's like it's that in rap, which is very bizarre to me. You know that it's those two. You know those are the two major places, and then as Alicia kindly pointed out, also musicals. Yeah, which we know all cool people listen to. So yeah, it's for the coolest of the cool. I was actually laughing today because my kids came home using this word riz like six months ago and saying like riz was like cool points at school. Like, oh, I don't have any riz or so-and-so has a lot of riz. 
And then just today, Riz has been announced as like the Oxford word of the year. And I showed my son and he goes, oh, now it's not cool anymore. Because <laughs> I know what it is, so it's not cool. So I'm no longer, at least for my children, I'm not the arbiter of what is cool. I'm not sure if I am for anybody, but I think you you're are cool. for me. Well, I think what you're is, cool and that's why you're here. What is Riz for those who don't know? I think it's like cool points or like somebody has like a lot of romantic credibility. It's like a system, like a value system. Like you have a lot of Riz or not a lot of Riz. This is going to be so embarrassing if I'm wrong about this, actually. Because I did that that usual thing where I saw a headline, I read the first paragraph, and then I immediately decided to tell everybody about the article, not having finished it. So (laughs) I'm sorry if I got this wrong. If people are using this word incorrectly now, you can blame it on me. That's hilarious. I love the way you're like, and I did this because... I'm a writer. That's correct. So, you know, you know what it is. Read the back, call it a day. Read the first paragraph, call it a day. I'm excited. I have your book. I have your book. It came to my home and it's on my, and it's on my nightstand. It's on my, there's, there's one other one and you're next in queue. So who's ahead of me? Just out of curiosity. It's this book called Permission to Speak by by Samara uh, Bay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Look at you knowing stuff. She was my pub date twin. Our books both came out on the same day. And actually she was on my previous podcast, Incarnation, Quit Your Day Job. So. Wow. I I am really enjoying, I'm really enjoying her book and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy your book. That's, I love, I love that you know. I mean, how? Wow. 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 I mean, she just reached out to me and she was like, our books are coming out on the same day. Let's be friends. And I was like, that sounds great. You seem amazing. So I love following everything that she's doing. And she is LA based as well, I think, and kind of works in the broader entertainment industry. Is that what you? I believe that's correct. Yeah. I, I, I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed the book. It's like, it's nice. It's nice to hear. Yeah. Just different points of view and things that you're not thinking about. Hers is a lot about breath and speech, but as a a conduit to talking about, you know, power, I think, and power structures. And so that's been really fascinating. And just, just seeing someone else's expertise is always nice. You get to step into someone else's world and I appreciate that. So I'm very excited to read, to read yours too. Well, I think Samara's book and this idea of using your voice as a tool for power and to reclaim that in, as I understand it from her book, which I read more than the first paragraph of, so few has not historically <laughs> always been the case for women and voices that didn't fit this kind of stereotype of what a powerful voice was supposed to sound like. But great segue there because you are a person who has used your voice to talk about hilarious things, but also your routine at Fringe or your set at Fringe that I saw. Do we call it a routine? Can I call it a It's not a routine. You can call like, it a routine. That was actually, no, that's routine? a very good, okay. no, as you didn't say your, your little skit. And so you crushed it. Not a little skit. It was an extremely powerful set that talks, it takes a really traumatic incident that you went through and makes it thought-provoking and also really funny. So can you tell our listeners who didn't have the benefit of being with you at Fringe what this kind of piece that you are continuing to work on and refine is about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was working on it in Fringe. The working title we had said was um, Assault on Comedy. That's the working title. It was previously Joystock and might be a previously different thing, but essentially back in December December 16th of 2022, I went to a wine bar with a friend of mine and, you know, like you do, you have fun. And then 
we left and she wanted some cigarettes. And so we went to a convenience store and I got some Cheez-Its, as you do when you're living in Los Angeles, living your best life. And as we were leaving, a guy just took a, a glass bottle and smashed it into my face kind of from behind very, very quickly, like a baseball bat. And it left, you know, an orbital fracture and two nasal fractures and was like, obviously like massively shocking and, and kind of, you know, set off this, like this trajectory of events where it led to multiple surgeries and they had to, they had to kind of like, I'm so sorry. I was just thinking about how (laughs) my, my brain just went away because it's like, even even now it's like all of like the medical bills from it like it still it still exists right it still exists in yeah. your life so that's what that's the that's the transgression that you just saw like that's the where did her brain go that's where it just went to but you know on the positive side they 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 apprehended the guy who did it and then the DA the district attorney here in Los Angeles da as i like to call them for short thank you they prosecute as it like the a people the people versus kind of case and so in this bizarre twist like the judge asks for the statement of what you as the person who experienced the violent crime would want to see happen to this person like prison or rehabilitation which is a a crazy binary i think in a world right now that we're living in where there's so much you know, kind of black and white. It's either this or it's this. Like, it doesn't feel like there's a ton of middle ground um, in so much of the thinking. You know, we all, I would prefer to live in a world that's much more gray and much more nuanced. And so there's something really kind of like, I don't know, it felt like a weird metaphor. And for me, hilarious description. You're welcome, Alicia, crushing (laughs) the hilarity. But for me, I think comedy was a way to just kind of like take some of the stuff that was happening in real time and kind of like process it and act like kind of almost a pressure valve, like a pressure release valve, like for myself. And I run a weekly show here. And so I would do things before it was even funny. And then it was like, oh, that like felt good, you know? And then it was like, oh, there's something here. And then kind of slowly built, you know, over the course of, you know, like eight months last year, like turned a bunch of the material into comedy. And it became not only like a good way to like share the story with people who didn't know it or people who were like, oh my God, what happened? But also like a, like kind of a, a way to shift the narrative, I think for myself, you know, where it's like this really bad thing that happened to you. But if you can like turn it into something like good or funny or beautiful, you can kind of almost transform the event itself and what it means to you because you've change the context and the meaning. And so, yeah, I think that the that was kind of the the goal was to share it with people like you and then do their podcast. I, that's actually what I was thinking. Immediately following. Immediately following was like December 15th, 2022. I was like, if I get hit in the face with a bottle, like a- not only do I want to make it into stand-up, but I want to do a stranger's podcast who came to the show approximately one year later. And that has happened. But, so- I mean- Dreams really do come true. Isn't that what Hollywood is all about? Everybody's dreams come true all the time and no one's ever disappointed. We're doing it. Live, laugh, love. (laughs) So, you know, I know that you had been working on something and then when this happened, you sort of changed tack. What was your comedy like before this incident? And it kind of became the like, I guess, the central narrative to, to your set. 
Yeah. So I've definitely taped like, I tape like a half hour, you know, like of, of jokes. That's really interesting. It's like, I tape, I tape like a half hour, but more jokes, you know, this was, I think the first, I had made an effort to kind of structure something that had a beginning, middle and end. Do you know what I mean? With a bunch of old jokes in it, like that was called joy suck, you know? And so we just had like a bunch of jokes that I knew were great. And then we loosely built them around a theme essentially, you know, and wove those things together. I think this then became this much more deliberate, like, these are the things that are happening. How do we make these things funny? And that's a really, I think they're both really interesting ways to work. You know, I don't think that there's a right or a wrong way. Actually, there's a, there's a right way to do art. Uh, and if you don't do it that way, the police are coming to get you. <laughs> you know, they're both really interesting ways to do it. But so I think I... I knew that it was like, I just knew that in this case, like the story was like sitting, it was just, you know, sometimes like you're propelled to do something, Mm -hmm. you know, you're like, this is, I I can't tell you in like really eloquent, like brainy words why, but it was just like a real gut feeling to like, yeah, yeah, follow that, like do, do this both as a way to process it and as a way to do it. And so then the next hour, starting to work on the next one now, mm-hmm. you know, it's the one that we, that you saw Alicia's being edited currently. Yeah. And so either some, it'll be out sometime next year. And then it's kind of, I think what I realized is like a lot of the comedy in that was around this story, but I think the next hour will be a lot about like love relationships. Do you know what I mean? So it's like all yeah. of those, like that, that's kind of like the, you know, like the big theme, and then we'll kind of be working out the material as we as we go and seeing what's what's hilarious and then putting it together. So as an artiste, you what is your process? What is your craft, one might say? But no, seriously, I mean, like, do you are you like constantly testing out jokes to see what lands and what doesn't? Like, how are you kind of pulling these pieces together and feeling confident that something is going to be really funny when you get into a room? I think, okay, so the one thing I'm going to say about stand-up is I think it's really iterative. The process is really iterative. So the one thing it teaches you more than anything else is like, and I'm sure this isn't true for the way that everybody writes, but it's like you'll have a kernel of something kind of, and then you have to be willing to fail. You know, you have to be willing for it to, you have to be willing to like not put too much, in my case, don't put too much pressure on it. Like the times that it's gone the worst is usually when I like sit down, like write something. I'm like, this is gonna be fire. You know what I mean? And then you go on stage and you're like, the first line doesn't work. And you're like, oh my God, it's going very badly. (laughs) And then you just spiral from there. (laughs) I have to say that the idea of bombing as a stand-up seems to me like one of the most terrifying things in the world. I'm sure it's not. Like I'm sure it just has to happen. It happens all the time. But the idea of like telling what you think is a really funny joke and nobody laughing it's just, I mean, that's what my nightmares are made of, I think. So that's part of the reason why what I, do, like, one of the ways to take, like, make that a little bit easier is, like, take a little bit of pressure off of how funny the initial idea is. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, instead of being like, I'm going to write out this whole bit and it's going to be, and I'm going to remember every piece of it. It's more like, let me test this idea. Does this feel correct? Like, does this okay, that kind of had some legs or, oh, that thing that we talked about here had some legs. Okay, great. Now let's build it out mm-hmm. and like let let the process be iterative or like, I think maybe we can do it this way. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, well, that didn't feel great. And then remember you have some fail safes where you can like, 
I think as long as you're acknowledging what's going on in the room, you know, like, you know, don't go to like a big like Netflix showcase and like do your new material. Do you know what I mean? But like, like, don't do that. Don't, you're being an idiot. What are you doing? You know, but like when you're testing it out in a relatively warm room and like, and it doesn't work, it's just kind of like, you can acknowledge it. Okay. Well, not that one, not today. You know, Yeah. Satan said no. You know, and so Sia said, said no. Our said, yeah, it's not funny. <laughs> not funny. It's not for it's not for us. So I think no, it it's whenever you're doing newer stuff, it I think I think that's I think that's part of what keeps comics kind of humble, you know, is that is like this idea of like I think I heard like some very big comic at some point. I don't remember who, because what is a person? Do you know what I mean? A person is just an idea of myself that's iterated as a different human being. I did do mushrooms before we started this interview. Which is a person's a person, no matter how small. Oh, wow. Okay, great. So like, I think it rhymes with all or maybe tall. Does it, does a mouse. So then is in that context is a mouse, a person. Well, mostly Dr. Seuss was talking about who's, who are sort of these like mouse, like people. Right. Yeah. Definitely like, someone's done a PhD on this. I just, I don't know them. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm curious of like, like sometimes I'll say like everyone's a person, like a dog is a person, but technically a dog is a dog, but it's kind of also a person. Like, like everyone has feelings is the right. point. Right. Exactly. Everyone has feelings. Everyone's feelings can be hurt. You know, everyone needs to be treated with care and respect, whatever, blah, blah, That's blah. That's what Dr. Seuss was trying to rhyme. I'm so sorry I took you off your train of thought. That's okay. I'm I'm not even really sure what we were talking about. Talking about mushrooms and comedy. No. Okay. So is there any topic in your life that's like completely off limits for you? You won't joke about it. That's a great question. I think it's more like when things are okay, there's a joke. There's a joke in this in the special that you saw, right? That's about it's about the plastic surgeon, right? And so I remember when I started doing that, I was like, this is too complicated. There's too much setup. Like this is never going to be funny, and I was going to drop it, drop the piece, drop the piece entirely. And I do think it's one of the strongest jokes in the whole set now. And I remember a friend of mine just goes, "Oh no, 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 no! Just remember, like, just create an analogy. Like, you just need to create an analogy, and like, just just tighten the setup and create an analogy." Was like kind of the note. Don't give up on it so quickly. And so I think when topics are like nuanced or complicated or or make you really angry or really sad or they're thorny or you know what I mean like it can be easy to like throw out the baby with the bathwater too soon right so like you know whether that's a joke about feminism whether that's a joke about you know you know a friend of mine did something on the Brian Simpson did a joke about the Israel-Palestine conflict and was like on stage it's like that's a pretty sticky you know that's something that obviously is not inherently funny at all. And like people are, you know, it's a horrible situation and people are also have very, very strong views about it, right? So it's a very like incendiary topic. And I thought he did a really elegant job in not like kind of backing out of the topic. So I think it's just like, it's a willingness to iterate and to not be right, you know, and to do that in a public facing way so that you have to like keep going. This is what I was saying is I think stand-up keeps you humble because it's like, so let's say you got your hour, it's good, it's polished, it's done, you do it, everybody loves it. Let's even say that you're Ali Wong or somebody else, mm-hmm. but now all that material has gone and now you got to get up on stage again with nothing. 
Yeah. You know, and and they're like, yay, 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 you know, whatever. And then you still have to go on stage and write the new stuff. Like, yeah. and it's, and you have to do it in front of people and some of it's going to work and some of it isn't. And that is a very, I think that's the process of like a lot of artists, but this is a public facing version yeah. of that. <laughs> and I think that keeps you really humble. I think it does. I'm thinking of all the stuff I write that no one will ever read. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. And imagine if like the, that journal entry, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like that letter that you had to Barbie or whatever it was, is was also on stage at some point, you know? It's just like, it's just part of what it is, you know? And and I I do, I've come to like, I mean, not every time, of course, but like, I, do, I appreciate that about stand-up. I appreciate the fact that like, it requires you a little bit to like, you know, we like, you want to do well and like, you want to, I always like want it to be perfect or like want it to be great. And there is no such thing as perfect. And it requires like loosening your grip on that idea and just like, and just trying stuff, you know, and being free and kind of letting go saying all of this in like my kind of like deep, you know, kind of like raspiest iteration of my voice is I think we can all acknowledge is wildly hilarious. I've made so many jokes in talking about process. I love the way it's like, I was like, let's talk about the Sia album. And then as soon as we get into talking about comedy, I'm like very serious. But you know what though? This is like the beauty of the set that I saw, which is that you describe the story of what happened to you. And it is like unequivocally horrible and tragic. And yet the set is so funny. I mean, it's really like laugh out loud, tears in your eyes, funny. And that's something you have achieved with this hour, half hour, however long it's going to end up being, which is that you have somehow managed to take this really serious thing and a thought provoking thing because you do take, you know, listeners through your decision-making process and what you went through and your recovery and all of this. And yet you have made it so funny. And at the very beginning, it's like, wait, do we laugh with you about this? And then you're like, oh, oh no, this is really funny. I do actually have to laugh with you about this. It's hilarious. Yeah, I'm glad. And I'm glad you felt that way. And the other interesting thing about doing it in England is like, do people feel that way? Is that an international feeling? Like it's, it's English speaking, but can be culturally different too, you know? And so there's something about, you know, coming back to America versus being in England that... I think at least for me was like honestly very freeing because it was like there were a couple of times when I did shows like not this show but did shows in England where like maybe they didn't like some stuff that I knew was very good. Yeah. So there's something very freeing about being in front of an audience that just doesn't get or like you. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like and you're like oh I was trying so hard for you to like me and now I don't care at all. Like <laughs> I yeah, exactly. I was like, I couldn't. Oh, you don't like me? Well, fuck you too then. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm so glad we got the explicit for this podcast. I was going to be really disappointed if we did not. We're not. You pleased. get one. We're not. You pleased. get one. Thank yeah, you. exactly. But but there's something very, it can be freeing because it's like, okay, great. I was like trying to be like the nice version of myself. And I guess now I'm free to just be exactly who I am. And maybe you'll like it and maybe you won't, but I don't care because I never have to come back here. You know? I love it so much. I love it so much. Oh, you don't like me? Well, guess what? I'm never going to see you again. And the irony with like British crowds specifically is that it's like, they cannot like you. And then it's like, the second you say that to to them, they're kind of like, oh, we we like her. We like her. Oh, we like you 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, that little firecracker. Look at that little firecracker. And you can make these jokes because you are British. Am I correct? You were born in... Yeah, I was born there. I was born there. So it was like a, you know, and and to be clear, like I had a great time and there were, and like the the night that you were there was like a magical, I think you came to the very last show. Yeah, I did. Yeah, which was like such a nice, that was such a great show and great experience. And Edinburgh's known for like, you know, you're kind of getting the reps in. So it's like, you know, you're doing it 17 to 20 times in a row and like, Maybe somebody's come from, you know, my show's about an assault, but maybe somebody just came from like fire breathing or like the juggling girl wasn't available. So now they're like sitting in your show and they're like, the fuck is this? I don't want to see this. They're like, I what got is a flyer on the street with a girl's pretty face on it and I'm here, but. Yeah. Okay. And I'm here. And I, I thought this was going to be about dating. You know, they don't know what the, like, it's not necessarily your people. And so it's, that's also, I think, good for, it's good for building chops, but it, it also, you know, like we're all, I think you, I'm sure you too, in your writing, it's like, you're looking for trying to figure out a way to like, be the closest and the most true to yourself, right? Like mm-hmm. what is what is authentic voice? And just like, and then how do you do that in a way that feels like spontaneous and 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 real and connected every time? And it's like, you know, like it's the career equivalent of chasing a rainbow. That's like our job, like that's like your job. It's like you're just, and it's a, it's a, I think it's a lifelong craft. And and you know, what a great way to spend a life. Well. That was absolutely beautiful. And I think we're we're actually, we're not going to get any better than that. So we should probably just quit while we're ahead. <laughs> um, we're doing Carrie, a George, okay. uh, we're doing a George Costanza. It's like, it's like, it's like end on a high and be like, end on a high. Ah, okay, I got to ah. leave this meeting. So people can see you in a film that's out right now called Destroy All Neighbors. It's going to be at select Alamo theaters across the country starting in January, which is the time you are listening to this, not based on the Christmas decorations and the Sia album behind me. And also, if people want to hear your comedy, where can they find you? I'm at shit from Kieran on the internet and in all the places at shit, shit, the stuff that comes out of your butthole from Kieran, K-I-R-A-N, on all platforms. And there's a bunch of clips, but then also you'll get news on where I'm touring and then, you know, uh, where the special is going to come out that Alicia got a chance to come support and see, which was a delight for me too. So I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to see you again. Thank you so much for joining me for this very festive, fun half hour today. (laughs) Hug, hug. I'm giving you a hug through the, hug through the, hug through the screen. Hugs. And that's a wrap on this episode. Thanks for tuning in to Extra Shot with Alicia Fernandez Miranda. A very special shout out goes to my superstar team at Texture Sound for their support. Find out more about what I'm up to, my writing, events, and even the retreat I'm planning in Scotland at my website, aliciafmiranda.com or Instagram at aliciafmiranda. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>